One other thing I want to mention, and that is, you know, um, this is, we've transitioned from being a video campus to a live teaching church just in the last three weeks. And this is technically Pastor Dan's first time really preaching live, you know, at this church. And normally we'd have like a cool video rolling, but, you know, we're a smaller church, so we're kind of still working on some of that stuff. So I put together like a little intro kind of a thing, but I'm sure you guys probably don't want, because it's probably more of a Saturday crowd thing, right? You guys don't want to hear that or okay well everybody okay hit it please maestro oh my god shine church let's give a warm shine church welcome for our very first live teaching weekend our senior lead pastor dan demay it got bigger and bigger every service you are uh, the first service that got music to put that uh, introduction to. Uh, anybody want to do announcements going forward? From We, we need some new uh, announcement people. Um, <laughs> oh, I, how do you even go from there and jump into anything? Wow. <laughs> hey, I'm so excited to, uh, to be in front of you. You know, um, last weekend, uh, Kim and I got to share our testimony, and it was just a, a privilege and honor to be uh, open and transparent before you, and the response was incredibly well. Um, I went home, and Pastor John uh, contacted me and just said, hey, um, how did things go? Um, for you that are brand new, this is our third weekend at Shine Church, and we came from a church called Jubilee Fellowship, and uh, our senior pastor, his name is John, and he's still very much my pastor, and so he was calling in, and he was just checking in, and he said, hey, how did things go? And I just shared what we did, and the fact that the first week we had the staff get up and kind of share how they knew they were supposed to come to Shine, and then we had Kim and I share our testimonies, and um, he's like, oh, that's nice, and then he goes, you do know, Dan, you are going to have to preach at some point. And he was totally joking, and I said, I, I understand that, but um, so I, this is going to be the first time, unless somebody has a testimony they want to share. Anybody? <laughs> I, okay. No, all right, all right. I guess I'll teach. Um, hey, before I jump into the message, uh, two quick things. First one is this. Um, you were not handed notes when you came in. That's uh, because we are not going to print um, paper notes, so I encourage you to bring notebooks or journals that you might have. Um, I find that notes ended up collected in my car anyways. I didn't really refer to them. Those that learn and journal and all kinds of things, it's probably better to have it in your journal anyways. But for those that like to follow along, Bible.com, they offer a free version for your smartphone of the Bible. Um, it's called the version, and you can get it at Bible.com. And if you put that on your smartphone and then go down, there's, a, there's like a four little lines, and you click on it, and it goes to different apps or different features in the app. And one of those is events. You click on events, and it'll ask you to share your location, or can you use the location? You say yes, and what happens is Shine Church pops up, and you can click that, and you can follow along with the message every weekend. The notes uh, will be in there. You can actually take digital notes uh, for each point. And so what, in essence, I'm doing is giving you permission right now to pull out your phone and be looking at it as I'm talking, okay? Which means those that like Candy Crush or any other little game, this is the time to start playing. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and I won't know. I'll have no idea that you're doing that. I'll think you're following along with the notes. So that's awesome. So please feel free to do that. Um, the, the second thing is, um, Pastor DJ mentioned it, but yesterday was an incredible event with the Castle Rock Day of Prayer. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever gone, this year was their fourth annual, um, but there was 23 churches represented, and all of the pastors from those churches said some form of a prayer for different things, and it was a powerful um, 
powerful thing. I've never seen, in 25 years of ministry, I've never seen anything like it where a town comes together and the churches of that town come together. Um, and what's really neat is those same pastors actually meet on a weekly basis. And so the, the church is 15 days old. I've been there twice. Um, and they, you know, it's funny because they totally welcomed me with open arms. The first weekend we were there, they prayed for Shine Church. They prayed for you. They prayed for us as a leadership team. And I mean, just... I couldn't believe it. And then the second week, they asked me to actually be a part of the day of prayer and gave me an opportunity to share one of the prayers in the middle of the thing. It was the best, best prayer of the day, by the way. Okay, maybe not. No, just, <laughs> um, just kidding. Uh, it, was, it was an awesome opportunity to be a part of that whole thing. And the unity of the churches in Castle Rock, man, this is a special place. It really is a special place, and it's going to be fun to see what God's going to do in the next few years because just in the unity, when the church is together in unity, man, watch out what, what God can do um, and the Holy Spirit can do. And um, it was just, it was awesome to be a part of. But be praying for the churches of Castle Rock because um, you know what? If the churches of Castle Rock succeed, that means the good news of Jesus Christ is getting out there. And so um, just if you think of it, pray about that. For the, the churches and other pastors in the area. So, hey, I'm going to open up with a prayer. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been hearing this weekend, I, I keep my ear to the ground, especially when I shake hands and say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Um, and if I notice a pattern on a, any given weekend, uh, I'm going to take time to pray for that thing. I want this to be a house of prayer. Uh, I want this to be a place where we build what we're doing uh, on the foundation. One of the foundation things is, is prayer. Um, and bringing things before the Lord. And this weekend, I've noticed something when I've uh, asked people how they're doing. Not just my staff, but even just people in the congregation. They've come up to me and said, man, I'm super tired. I'm just super tired. I, not just like a couple people, like I know life, sometimes people get tired. But it seems like everybody just, and maybe it's because it's Labor Day weekend. Everybody's been laboring really hard. I don't know, but here's what I do know, that when I see a pattern like that, I'm going to pray for those things. So I'm going to pray for that, and I'm going to pray that God would uh, use this message uh, to communicate to your heart. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and God, I thank you for the fact that you are our strength, um, that your burden is light, your yoke is easy, and God, we come to you right now, and we give you our lives. And for those people that find themselves tired, they find themselves weary, God, first, I want to encourage them with the fact that when they are weak, you are strong. Um, your word teaches us that. And so I pray that strength would fill every heart and every spirit. And God, I pray that even as um, I communicate your word, that sore bodies would uh, relax and be rejuvenated, that mentally we would grab a hold of your truth and that we would be, um, we would be more energized when we leave this place than when we came in. And Lord, ultimately, I pray that you would use my voice, that you would use the words that I say. Holy Spirit, use them to penetrate the hearts of people listening to me today. And God, I pray that you would uh, truly speak your truth and your life into everyone listening. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, well, so most of you know the story. Kim and I were offered this Castle Rock campus to start a new church um, called Shine Church, and we were debating on whether that's something we should even do. But once we decided, yes, this is what God is calling us to do, uh, the next thing that uh, happened was that we began to talk about what does that mean? 
What if we go down and we start a church? Um, what are we going to build it on? What are what are some of the pillars that we want to be really strong about? And so we're going to start a series uh, today called Four Pillars because I believe that God gave to Kim and I and to the leadership team of this church four things that we want to be very strong that we want to build this church upon. And we're going to take time to develop those things and shape those things. They're out in the coffee bar. You know, they've got the big hub hub on one side, and then on the main wall there, you'll see the four uh, pillars that we're really going to teach, that we're going to be, that's going to be our strength. We want to facilitate, and everything that we do are going to go through one of those four things. And so just real quickly, what they are. The first one is this, engage. We want people to engage with God and one another. Uh, The little tagline is, don't go it alone. Church, let's be a place that lives life together. Let's build lifelong friendships in this place. Let's build relationships with not only Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but with one another in which we can sharpen each other and and hone each other and and encourage one another in our growth and our relationship with the Lord. We're going to develop these things again in the coming weeks. So uh, that's all I'm going to say about that one. But it's interesting because Kim and I got away for dinner and as we were talking about these things, they just kind of, God just boom, boom, boom. They just kind of came into our hearts as we were discussing. And it actually was one of the easier things to come up with as we were preparing and planning for this. And so the second thing that just popped into our hearts as we were talking is identify. Um, know who you are is our tagline. And so here's, um, here's the quick heart of that is, is this. Um, we live in a world where people don't know who they are. Their identity, they're very insecure in who they are or what their identity is, but God teaches us that he has a purpose and a plan and an identity for each one of us, and not only that, but he sees us as his children. You're a son or you're a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you know what? Until we understand that and grab that, we can't really fully walk in the things that we want, that God wants us to walk in until we grab a hold of that. And so identify who you are and how God sees you. That's another one that we're going to be building on. The third one is engagement. You know what? As you begin to engage with God and understand how he sees you, he begins to show you that you have giftings and you have abilities and talents that only you have. And he wants to empower you in those things. And so we want to be a church that comes alongside of you and helps you to discover those things. And and then we want to come and help equip you to operate in those things. And again, we're going to develop these in the coming weeks. And the last one leads to um, multiply. The tagline for uh, empower is do what you love. Do what you love. You know what? I'm going to stop real quick because I remember 12 years ago, I was doing a, a discoveries class. And um, it was about gifts, and we did a gifts testament. And one of the ladies, um, after the test, I, I said, hey, so any surprises about your results? And one of the lazy raises her hand, and she's like, well, mine says that I scored really high in craftsmanship. And she goes, I- I'm not sure if that's right. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Do you like crafts? She's like, oh, I love crafts. And I said, so what could be wrong? And she goes, well, I love crafts. I didn't think serving God could be fun. Think about that. And now let me ask you a question. When you think about serving God, do you automatically go to a place where, hey, that's going to be fun? Or do you go with this sacrificial mindset that if I'm going to serve God, it's not going to be fun, but at least I'll be serving the Lord? There's something, I don't know, there's something in a believer that I think a lot of times thinks that serving God isn't going to be any fun. And I think that God has wired us and given us things where we're going to enjoy it. And when we serve God with the thing that we enjoy, there's nothing better in life. It's really, truly abundant life. And so that's the empowerment. Okay, the last one, which then 
All three of those things lead into the last one, which is multiply. And our tagline on that is give it away. The truth is when you experience the goodness of God and you begin to realize those things, there's something in you um, that wants to just then give it away into our neighborhoods, into your workplace, into this community. And we're hoping that we'll be a church where we give these things away. And um, um, like I've said three or four times, we will establish and, and talk about those in the coming weeks. But before we get into those things, I want you to understand that those four pillars that we're going to build this church on has to be built on something. Um, you know, when uh, Kim and I first moved to back to Colorado to help Pastor John with Jubilee Fellowship, um, we lived in Highland Trench for a year, and then we moved out to Roxboro. And we were in Roxboro, and we did some home improvements on this house. And as we were doing them, around the neighborhood, all of a sudden, these brand-new homes were going up. And we were like, hey, let's go move into one of those. And so we actually were able to sell our house because we did some remodeling for a much better price than we got, which put us in a good position to get into one of these new builds. How many of you have ever moved into a new build? Anybody? Okay, so several of us. And so you know this experience that we had because as they were building it, we got to go out and see the different aspects of the home being built from just nothing to a hole in the ground and then all of a sudden the foundation being poured and then the subfloor and then the walls and all of that. Well, in the middle of that, the uh, contractor, the builder actually called us out. Uh, how many of you even know it's not good when the contractor builder calls you? Uh, we need you to come see something. So we go out and the, the concrete had been laid. The foundation had been poured and we were excited. We're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is great. And then they go, um, well, we need to let you know that they poured this wrong. And we needed to discuss options with you. And they said, you know, we can tear the foundation out, remove all the concrete, and then we can re-pour it. And it's going to take X amount of time. Or um, we have already ordered the beams and, and all of the construction materials for this, but they're wrong because this foundation is wrong. So we can prefab a different beam and get different materials and build what's the foundation that you have here. The problem is that if we do that, you're going to lose a portion of your garage. And so at the time, because that was the shorter option, we were like, well, let's just do that. So they prefabbed a beam, and we could only fit a car that was the size of a Volkswagen Bug in there, basically. And I've always wondered, people who have bought the house since then, why can't we fit our car in the garage? Because I made the choice to, <laughs> to get in the house quicker than have them redo it. But um, tell you that story to ask you this question. What if they had decided to just try to build the house with the materials that they had on the incorrect foundation. It wouldn't have gone very well. And though the house may have stood for a short period of time, at some point, whether it was through some kind of a storm, maybe wind, something, maybe the ground shifting a little, but something would have gone wrong and it would have been catastrophic for the house. It would have probably just come in upon itself. Think about the world we live in. And there's storms, there's things that come, and people are building on the wrong foundation. They're totally building on the wrong, wrong foundation. And before I get into the four pillars of what Shine Church is going to be, I just wanted to take a weekend and discuss with you the foundation that we are going to build on as a church. And so two things that I want to talk about today. First one is this, Shine Church will be a church that builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ. 
and be a church that builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Okay, this is where things get different. I do not want to be a talking head. I do not want to get up in front of you every week and talk for 30, 40, 50, 60, 90 minutes. I, I was just seeing where the threshold was there. You guys all seemed okay with 90 minutes. Sweet. No, um, I do not want to be a person that gets up and just, just talks and um, even though led by the Holy Spirit, just comes up and gives you guys a speech and just keeps going on and on and then you guys don't have any interaction. Um, I believe that we are a congregation, we are a group of believers, and we need to interact, and we need to um, help one another understand different things. And so I am very much going to ask for your involvement in the messages I give. From time to time as I'm speaking, I'm going to ask you questions, and I'm expecting you to answer. Okay? And so here's one of the questions I'm going to ask for this weekend. When I say that Shine Church will be a church that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, what comes to mind? Woo! <laughs> Woo! Okay, that's, that's good. That's awesome, okay. Yes? Solid. Talk about that a little bit, Kim. That's perfect. Think about that. I, I, I'm willing to bet that if I went to you person to person and said, do you want your life built on something solid that you would never doubt, that you would never have concerns, that you would nev never have worries? Not that we don't doubt, because I think everybody, I mean, we're, not, we're imperfect human beings, but to know that there's something that even when we're doubting, that thing is solid. Um, I think that's so important to um, how we live our lives. That's good. Other thoughts? We're going to build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what, what, and what do you mean by that? Okay, what Jesus stood for, what we learn about in the Bible, what he represents. It's good. We're going to talk about that actually later, a little bit later in the message. Perfect. You are on new version already, right? You skipped to the bottom? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> You're reading my notes already? Uh, no, that's good. What other thoughts come up? Yes. Truth. Truth. Okay. I want you to listen to something. Truth in this world today is based on what people think. Everybody has an idea or a concept of truth. And if, if I say, hey, this is my version of the truth. Jana, you say your version of what you think is the truth. Cammie, you have a version of the truth. Uh, Luke, you have a version of the truth. If we come together, you know what? We may actually come up with uh, maybe a, a good plan, a good idea, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth. It just means that we collectively put our brains together and maybe came up some, with something that we agreed upon. Or maybe it may come up with, well, I don't agree with your truth, so we're just going to have to agree to disagree in that truth. And then we walk away going, well, you believe something different than I believe. The Bible teaches, and Jesus himself said, I am the truth. It's not a concept, church. It's a person. It's not something that you and I get to determine this is truth or this isn't truth. The truth was established in Jesus Christ. And when I say we're going to build Shine Church on the foundation of Jesus Christ, I'm saying we're going to build this church on the truth that Jesus gave us. Okay? 
That's good. What else? We're going to build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, so let me sum that up for people that are listening because we are live streaming this. So if I understand you right, Tyler, you're saying we need to understand when we talk about the foundation, um, the, the things that God sees in us. Is that the, the purpose and the plans that he's created us with? What's our will for our lives that he has planned for us? And, yep. And, and as a church. No, I love that. Okay, so here's, here's what I'm going to... Um, teach you in the middle of this. As I was praying for this and I was thinking about what does it mean to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, I began to realize, you know what? When we say we're going to build a church on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we as a leadership team can say that until we're blue in the face and not actually have it happen at Shine Church because church is not these four walls in this awkward shaped building that we have. Okay, church is you. The people that come to this place to gather on a weekend, you are the church. And I, got, I, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit began to just download to me that we are only going to be as strong in building our foundation on Jesus Christ as you are. Your foundation being built on Jesus Christ has to be a priority in order for this church to succeed. For this church to flourish, you need to build your lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You need to invite him into your heart, first of all, if you have not. And then when you do, you need to begin to embrace who he is and how he sees you, how he wants to empower you, and how he wants you to multiply. Because as a leadership team, we can only do so much. But as a church with a group of other believers that are building their life on the foundation of him, oh man, we can do incredible things. I'm waiting for more amens. Okay, there we go. This is key. This is key, guys. Because the will of our fathers, Tyrone said, the will of our Heavenly Father was that we would come together as a body of Christ and make an impact in this world. Not as a group of people that watches the pastors do things. We need you to be a part of this church. We need, I, listen to me, we need you. Do you know why Janelle was not here today? Because there's another church that was lacking in a worship leader and so they asked her to come and help because they needed somebody. That, it's not just Shine Church that needs people. Church in general needs people. But it's funny because on a weekend, it looks like we have everything put together. It looks like everything is good. Oh, I can sing and I can play a music instrument, but they already have a full team, so they don't need me. Don't let the enemy tell you that. We need you. We need your abilities. We need your talents. We need your giftings. Yes, we might have nursery workers today, but it doesn't mean we have them next week. It means, yes, you were greeted when you came in, but that doesn't mean we have greeters next week. And ultimately, we would love to have a place where you serve 
but only once a month, once every six weeks, once every eight weeks. What if we're a church where you only serve in that capacity once every three months because we have so many people involved in that aspect of things? That would be incredible. So don't ever think that we do not need you because we do. We need you to be in operation. We need, to be, you need you to be functioning in the things that God created you to be. And once again, as we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, one of the things that means is that we are a people that use our abilities and our gifts and our, our talents to further the work that he's doing. So forever who's hearing that right now, what is that thing? What stirs in your heart? Okay, we're gonna build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ. What else comes to mind? Grace. Speak to that a little bit. What does grace mean to you? Oh. Are you so, yes, are you so glad that Jesus gave grace to us? Are you, I mean, do you ever take time to think about, and I know even if you're a good person, you mess up. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin are death. So if you've messed up, it should mean death to you. Thank God for the grace of Jesus. Thank God for the grace of Jesus. Now, how do we apply that as a foundation of Shine Church? I want you to understand that we want to be a place that would extend grace to one another the way that we would want to receive it. Extend grace to another person the way you would want to receive it. It's funny because when we mess up, we're hoping people will rally around us. Oh, it's okay. You know, I'm going to shape you and sharpen you. But somebody else says, we take the Bible and start beating them with it. Do you know? You cut somebody off on traffic. You get mad that they use the wrong finger at you, right? But then somebody else covers you. Do you give them that grace? I mean, it's funny because it's, it's, it's not just in church, man. It's everywhere we, where we go. So we want to be a church that builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 10 and 11. It says this, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. Each one should build with care. It goes back to that individual thought. We all have to be building our foundation on Jesus Christ. And then it goes on, it says, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, we teach that as an understanding that we need to build this church on Jesus Christ. But I want to help you to understand the context. One of the things that I'm hoping to do while I'm teaching is to not just read two or three verses, but to kind of open it up a little bit and read what's before it or maybe after it or both. So I'm going to go up to verse 1 in chapter 3 and read this section of Scripture. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. For you are not ready for it yet. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Okay, stop real quick. Is this not the condition of the capital C church? We have a bunch of people that come into church and because the leadership has established this thing where the ministers or the pastors do all of the ministry. People just come in, they get their milk, and then they go out, and then, then they live their lives however they want to, six other days of the week, and then they come back in. And they're still being nourished on milk. How weird would it be if your 13, 14, or 15-year-old, the only thing they ate 
was milk. It would be weird in the physical sense. And yet in the church today, we see that still all the time. I want this to be a place where we grow together, church. Where we grow up into the things of God because in the growth is where we really build our foundation. In Hebrews chapter six, um, the writer actually says, let us not lay the foundation again. And then it begins to talk about what the foundation of Christ is. And it talks about repentance and laying hands on, on believers, um, baptism, things that we actually in church think are probably more mature discussions. But the truth is, the writer in Hebrews says that those are the foundational truths. And he says, let's stop laying these over and over and over again. What he's saying is, hey, let's grow up. So I'm coming to you and I'm saying, church, let's grow up together. Let's mature in the body of Christ together. Let's not be satisfied with just coming, getting a little milk on the weekend, and then going through our regular life and being tossed back and forth by the wind and storms that come, only to come in on a weekend and go, I'm so tired. Man, let's be a place where we're growing so that when those things come, man, we're like, oh yeah, bring it on, come on. You know what, because I'm built on a foundation Jesus Christ that's strong. Goes on and says this. For one says, I follow Paul, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Okay, uh, I have heard in the last probably six to eight weeks as we've been talking about Shine Church, I've heard people say different things like this. Hey, I have a relationship with Rob and Amy Painter and I love them and they are great people and I'm coming to Shine Church because I have such a great relationship with Rob and Amy and because they have ministered to my heart. I love that. I've heard from other people directly say this. The reason I came to Jubilee Fellowship and the reason I'm coming to Shine Church is because of DJ and Cammie Smith. They have poured into my life and in my family's lives and we love them and we care for them and they're one of the reasons that we are at this church. I love that. I've had people come to me and say, you know, Pastor Dan, I love the way you teach and uh, hearing the testimony that you and Kim shared, man, I'm just, it's opened my heart to you guys. I really enjoy you guys. I'm looking forward to what, um, what God is gonna do in this church um, and, and I'm, I'm buying into what, what you're saying and what you're, what you're giving. Um, and so we're going to come to church because of you and Kim. I love all of those things, but I want you to hear something. If you're coming to Shine Church because of the painters, the smiths, the demays, or any other human being, I want you to know it grieves my heart a little bit. Because the reason you should be coming to Shine Church is because Jesus Christ is here. When we say we're going to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, I want you to come because he's here, because his presence is here, because he's real, because he's alive, and because you experience him in this place. And I get it. Relationships are what sticks us together. Relationship is the glue that holds us together. And I want to build relationships, like I said earlier, but I want you to understand this is going to be a church where Jesus Christ is lifted up. And this is going to be a place where we're going to go to him and ask for his direction. And I pray that people would come, not because of any relationship that has been built, though that sticks them together, I totally get it, but because 
people go, Jesus is there. Jesus is there. And I think that when we do this, the rest of this comes true. Paul writes, he goes, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. And then it goes on to the two verses that we previously read. And here's what I would finish this section of scripture by just simply saying this. Listen, we as a body of Christ, we need to understand that we have responsibility to plant seed. We have responsibility to water that seed. But it's ultimately God and the Holy Spirit that has to make that thing grow. And so I want to come to you as a church and say, will you allow God to grow in you? I think God is doing a new work. I think God is doing a new thing here. And like I said to one of the services a couple weeks ago, in that newness, we have to open our hearts to receive something new. If you approach this thing in the old-fashioned way, when the new wine gets poured in, you're going to not like it. It's going to hurt. Or you you won't care for that. The fact that I'm interacting with people may or may not, you may or may not like that right now. But it's something new. And will you come with an open heart to say, well, let's see how this goes. Because maybe God wants to do something new in the midst of that. But let's understand that God, as we build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ, God is going to make this thing grow. We're going to plant seeds. We're going to water those things. But we're going to let the Holy Spirit come in and do his ultimate completion and complete the work that he has planned and already established. Amen? All right. Second thing about Jesus being the foundation of this church. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says this. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fit together is growing into holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Okay, uh, listen, the key element of this section of scripture is the cornerstone piece. The cornerstone, I looked that up and it says this. It's the first stone that is set in the construction of a masonry project. It's the first stone. It's usually one of the largest stones, if not the largest stone. And it's very important since all other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. So Jesus being the cornerstone, what happens is if we don't put Jesus as the cornerstone, every other stone in our life becomes set on something that's not the truth, that's not that cornerstone. It's building your home and building your personal house on something that isn't firm. But when we built on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, then all the other stones, all the other aspects of our life begin to be put in proper order. Now, I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be fun. There may be trials. There may be pain in in the development of your building. But here's the truth. If it's built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, then we're going to have a home. We're going to have our own personal building, the temple of God, the Holy Spirit dwells in. It's going to be built in the right way. Now, here's what I want to bring out in regards to that. The character of Jesus Christ is important to understand 
as we make him the cornerstone of our life. And so real quick, what are some of the things that make the character of Jesus Christ? What are some of his characteristics? Love, okay. God is love, the Bible says. Jesus is love, absolutely. Okay, what else? Life? Light. Oh, yes, light. Shine! Okay, sorry. You know what? It's amazing. Ever since we named this church Shine, the more and more scripture I read, it's just like light here, light here, shine here, shine here, radiate. I mean, just like, okay, we got this, God. I, you, were, you were right in doing this. But absolutely, I'm going to read a section of scripture in just a minute that talks about that light. And again, if I went person to person and said, hey, do you want light in you? Do you want to have light? Every single one of us would say, yes, absolutely. And it is a characteristic of Jesus Christ. What else? Other things. Characteristic of Jesus Christ. Humbleness, okay. Okay, makes things pure. Doesn't flee from the darkness, but he actually radiates the light into it, makes it pure. Okay, what else? Patience, okay, what else? Faithfulness, okay. What else? Forgiveness, good. What else? Grace and mercy, very good. Here's something interesting. I didn't hear any one of you talk about anger, judgment, keeping account for all the wrongs that you do. But I got to be honest with you, there's a piece of me that when I think about Jesus, I think he's keeping record of my wrongs. I think that he's kind of keeping track of all the mistakes I make. But you know what? When you actually are asked the question about the character of Jesus Christ, that's not the thing you think of. You think about all these good things that Jesus truly is. You know who tells us all those other things? The devil. The Bible says that we're not to be unaware of his schemes. You know his schemes? He's a liar. He wants to deceive you, and he wants you to think that God is mad at you. He wants you to think that God is angry at you. He wants you to think that he's just keeping a record of wrong. He wants you to think that Jesus is indifferent. He wants you to think that Jesus is distant from you. He wants you to think all of those things that I think if we were completely open and honest with one another, we all struggle with. And I want you to know something, that when we build on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, it is very important that we take care of what we're thinking. Because if we attribute wrong characteristics to Jesus, we're building on the wrong cornerstone. And we have to be building on the right understanding of who Jesus is. And so I don't have time to go into it because it's a whole message, but think about this. Jesus is love. He is truth. He is faithfulness. He is good. He is holy. He is understanding, etc. so on and so on. I mean, there's so many different things about Jesus Christ. I want to talk about the understanding one, though, real quick. Do you know that we have a Lord and a Savior that understands? You know, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was spat upon, he had to carry his own cross through the city, he was humiliated, he was nailed to a cross. And I think the most powerful and um, impactful things that happened in, through that entire story was when he said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's be honest. Have you ever felt like God's far away from you? You ever felt like God has forsaken you? Guess what, church? Jesus understands. He was there. Have you ever been abused? Have you ever been beaten? Guess what? Jesus understands. 
He was there. Have you ever been ridiculed? Have you ever been mocked? Have you ever been insulted? Guess what? Jesus understands he was there. We have a savior that has said, I've been there. We have a God that loved us so much that he sent his son so that he could experience these things so that when we experience them, we have somebody we can go to and say, you understand, so please help me. And when we do that, we're building on the right cornerstone. We're using that to build us up in the correct way. All right, one last verse in regards to uh, talking about building this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Um, if you guys could put that up. Um, yep, First Corinthians 2. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. Okay, I want to talk about a couple things real quick. First one is this. Paul says that he wanted to only talk about Jesus and him crucified. It's kind of a funny statement. Because when you think about other people in history and you talk about their lives, you talk about their lives. You don't talk about their death. You talk about what they did when they were alive. And Paul talks about that. I want to talk about Jesus Christ. But then he says, and him crucified. And what he's saying is there's power in what he taught us. There's power in what he said when he had lived, but there's also power in what he did in dying for us. And that's what I want to communicate. And when we say we're gonna build this foundation on Jesus Christ, we're gonna build it on the blood of Jesus that was given on our behalf. Because Jesus died so that you and I could have abundant life. We could have right relationship with our heavenly father. And then he goes and says, my message and my Preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. Now listen, I want you to know I'm gonna prepare. I'm gonna plan. I'm gonna seek the heart of God. I want to give uh, good messages week in and week out, but I want you to know something. I don't want you to be won over by my persuasive words. I want you to be won over because the Holy Spirit begins to move. The next part of that scripture says this. I didn't win you over with persuasive words or wisdom, but in demonstrations of the Spirit and of power so that your father would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Your faith, not your father, sorry. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of God, but on the power of God. Church, listen, I don't want you to be won over by my persuasive words. I want you to be won over because of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in this place. I believe in a God that wants to activate his gifts. I believe in a God that wants to move in those gifts. And I believe that you are gonna be the ones that are gonna be doing that. Everybody's like, ah. You know what my heart is? You know what my prayer is? That you would be a little bit nervous to come to church. I'm serious. I don't want you to be afraid. Don't get, please don't miss nervousness with being fearful. I want you to be a little bit nervous that God might use you to do something this weekend. I want you to be a little bit nervous that God might move in a way that you're unexpecting and that might be a little bit uncomfortable for you. I want you to be a little bit nervous that the Holy Spirit might interrupt our service to do something that's supernatural. And you know what's neat about that is, yeah, you might be a little bit nervous, but then you're also a little bit excited. 
And you might find yourself going, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen at church, but I'm not going to miss it. I want to be there to see it. I want to be there to be a part of it. And though I want to communicate, listen, you guys can get good messages anywhere you want. If you're like, man, I don't know, I I think I might miss Pastor John's message. Well, go listen to him. I'm going (laughs) to. We can listen to him anytime we want to during the week. It's online. Go do that. I want this to be a place where the Holy Spirit is allowed to do whatever he wants to do. And some of you might be a little bit nervous about that right now. Good. All right, we're going to build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We are also going to build this church on this book right here. This book is the Bible. It's the Word of God. In John, um, John chooses to start his story of the good news by saying this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know what? When you understand that Jesus, the Word, who was with God and who was God, and in verse 14, it actually says this, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Do you know that this word, we call it our Bible, this word became flesh. This word right here is the revelation of Jesus Christ. I've heard people talk about this book as a love letter and I totally agree. I think it is the promises of God and how he sees you and how he's proud to call you son and daughter. But you know what this book truly is to me? It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we need to build this then on what this word says. Now, the truth is that many of you don't read this very much. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But I want you to be challenged by Holy Spirit right now. I will never forget about a year and a half ago, we were doing a class, maybe it was two years ago, we were doing a class for new believers, and we were actually doing the class, a run-through with people that we wanted to lead the classes. And I'm at a table, and Pastor Terry hands out a piece of paper, which was biblical trivia. And this couple took their sheet, and they pushed it to the middle of the table. And I was like, what are you doing? And she goes, I don't know any of these answers. I said, you haven't even read it. And she goes, I don't know any of these answers. And some of them were really simple. And I said, well, just try it. And she's like, no, I don't. And so I kind of started doing it. I said, you okay? And she goes, you know what? I just have to admit something. She goes, I gave my heart to the Lord 16 years ago. I asked Jesus into my life, asked him to be my Lord and Savior 16 years ago. She goes, in those 16 years, I have never read my Bible. She'd come to church every week. She listened to messages about God. She tried to even apply those things to her life, but she had never read her Bible. Unfortunately, that story happens more often than I want to admit or than anybody in this room would want to admit. So why is it that we don't read this book? I think it's because it's intimidating. Why do you think this book's intimidating? Help me out. Truth in it, what does that mean? 
Okay. So it brings truth into our life, and we don't necessarily want to hear the truth. Come on, let's be honest. We don't necessarily want to hear the truth. There are certain things in my life that I want to do because I want to do it because I'm a selfish human being. I know you're not that way, but I am. And I don't want to open this book because, number one, I already know what it says, or number two, I'm going to read about it, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to make changes. And so we don't want to, to actually read it. So it becomes a little intimidating, absolutely. What other reasons? It's hard to understand. Oh, man, if I did ask everybody to raise their hand right now, that'd probably be one of the reasons that almost everybody would raise their hand. Man, I, it's just so incredibly hard to understand. Okay, so here's the deep philosophy of Dan DeMay. If you don't understand what you're reading, read on. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to spend time trying to, oh, what does this, what could this possibly mean? You know what? Just keep moving along. Keep on swimming, keep on swimming, right, right? <laughs> Just keep going because there is going to be a part where you're going to read it and that truth's going to come out and you will understand that. We do get bogged down because we don't understand it all. I've been in ministry for 25 years and I still read this and go, what? What's going on? And then I go ask Pastor DJ and then he'll know. <laughs> he tells me what's going on. The truth is there are parts that we don't understand. You know what? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ who is the infinite God. We're, in, we're finite. He's infinite. And you... I don't think any one of us will ever truly understand all the aspects and all of the things of God. But there are certain things that God wants to speak through this book right to your heart. So don't be intimidated by this book. But be challenged to get into it. What, what other reasons would you be intimidated by this book? The what? The sheer thickness of it. I purposely brought the smallest version of the Bible I could today. <laughs> I grew up in a Catholic home, like I said last week, and the Bible was as big as our coffee table. <laughs> and it was always open to some page, and I was like, ah, I ain't reading that. No way. Um, it is. It's a lot of information. But you know what? Break it down. Um, 66 individual books. I got my numbers right. 66 individual books. Okay? That's a little less intimidating. You know, we call it one book, but the truth is there's 66 different letters and 66 different books in here. And so chop it down. Don't be intimidated by it. Another reason that you would be intimidated by this book. It'll convict us and we may change. You know what? I, I touched the base on that a little bit earlier, but here's the truth. We are selfish individuals. And you know what? This book has life in it. It has light in it. It's going to light up the darkness, but we might not like it when it first happens. You know when you're in a pitch black room and somebody flips the light switch on and you're like, oh my gosh. Nobody likes that bright light that comes in. And that's what happens sometimes when we read this. But I want you to understand, um, when your eyes adjust, you're like, okay, thank God for the light because I can see. And guess what? When you adjust to the thing that God highlights in your life, you'll go, I can see. Because you know what happens? When you allow the word of God to speak to you, 
freedom begins to come. We live in a world where people will tell us, like Kim said last week, that freedom is found in the things that you do or the things that you buy. Let's be, I I keep saying that today, let's be honest with each other, but how many times have you gone and bought something or did something because you were trying to satisfy something? And for a moment, guess what? For a moment, you were satisfied. Those two jet skis I bought, oh, made me so happy. Until I ran over the tow cord And it wouldn't run anymore because it was all in the impeller. That joy went away quite quickly. And we do that. We, We all do that. But the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, when you read that and let that illuminate you, when you get over the shock of that and your eyes adjust, your spirit adjusts, guess what? Freedom comes and it's something that no one can take away because you have the foundation of Jesus inside of you. So we're going to build this church on the word of God. So here's what I'm going to do to wrap up. I thought it would be um, very uh, healthy of us to actually participate. My first message that I'm officially giving, it's the first weekend of the month, um, but I thought that we could build our, or continue to build our foundation by sharing communion together. And so underneath your chair are these wonderful self-serve communion things. And I say that with all sarcasm. And on this, is you sh- there's a thin layer of plastic that'll take you about 15 minutes to unpeel from the top <laughs> to get to the little wafer um, that will represent the body of Jesus Christ. And then underneath, there's another pull tab in which you can get to the juice. And so as you struggle with the piece of plastic on top, try to listen to me <laughs> as we move into this. Um, I'm excited to partake in this with you as the family of Christ. You guys are gonna be my family. This church is the family of Christ. Shine Church is gonna be the body of which I'm gonna be a part of and I'm looking forward to living life together and I was thinking about this for this weekend and you know Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. You know the disciples were the friends to God? They cried together, they worked together, they laughed together, they shared intimate times with one another, they shared fun times with one another. As we take this as the body of Christ, let's remember to live life together. Let's remember what Jesus gave to us in breaking his body. Can you imagine his heart at that moment sitting with his friends, realizing that he was gonna go be hung on a cross and how he desired for his friends to get it. And so as we take this today, let's remember what he did for us because not only did he did it for those disciples, but he has done this for us because he calls us friend. He calls us friend. So Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. We thank you so much for the body that was broken on our behalf. We thank you for dying on that cross, for giving of your life so that we could have life. For though you were perfect, you gave it all up so that we could enter into right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And God, we are so grateful for that. And God, we come to you together 
as a family. And we remember what you've done for us. And we thank you for it. In your name, amen. Go ahead and take the bread. As you let that weird little wafer sit on your tongue and melt. <laughs> These things are very convenient, but they're not the best way to do communion. I'm just, I'm just saying that. He took the cup and he gave it to his friends. And he said, this is the cup. This is my blood. This will be shed for you. It's the cup of a new covenant. And you know, one of the most exciting parts about communion for me personally is this portion right here. Because up until this time where Jesus shed his blood, in order to hear from God, you had to go to the high priest. He had to go into this place called the Holy of Holies and then come out and he would tell the other priests and the priests would tell the tribe leaders and the tribe leaders would tell the family leaders, the family leaders would tell the family what God was saying. And because of this new covenant, Jesus says, it's better that I go because I have the Holy Spirit that's gonna be poured out upon all of you who call upon my name. And he understood that. And I, th I wonder if as he gave that cup, he realized oh man, they don't have to hear from me anymore in this way. They can hear from the Holy Spirit and everyone is gonna be able to hear, not just the ones that I'm speaking to, but everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord can hear from their father. I wonder if that's what it meant when it says it was his great joy to die on our behalf because he knew we would have relationship, direct access to our heavenly father. And so let's remember that as we take this cup. So Jesus, we come before you and we thank you for the blood that was shed on our behalf. And God, we remember that you gave our life, your, la your life for our lives so that we could have that access to the Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, I pray right now as we take this cup that we would be mindful of your voice, that we would search it out, that we would listen to you, that we would seek your direction. God, it's not a pastor we have to go to anymore or a leader, or a priest. God, we can just come directly to you, and by your Holy Spirit, you speak to us because of what Jesus did on that cross, and we thank you for that in your name. Amen. Go ahead and take the cup. As a formation team, we had decided that the first weekend of every month, we're going to take communion together. Um, if you want to take communion any weekend, we will always have a self-service there. So during worship or at the end of service or whenever, feel free at any time to get up and take communion because I know it's important for some people to do it on a, on a weekly basis. And I think we should be doing that at home on a regular basis. But we want to do it as the first of the month, every month, um, to remember and to have the fellowship, to keep it fresh and to keep it um, meaning something. And so that's what we'll be doing. Uh, as we move forward, we'll have communion on the first weekend. And we'll probably change it up and how we do it and uh, what we do. And so just want to make you aware of that because I know some people often wonder, how are you guys going to do communion? So we'll be doing it that way. So uh, with that being said, church is done. I don't have any glamorous way to finish this. I don't have music or anything. I just, hey, we're, we're over. So, hey, hey, here's what I want you to do. Enjoy your afternoon. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your day. Hang out for a little bit. Get some coffee, fellowship for a little bit. But go have a wonderful day, wonderful Labor Day, and have a blessed week. You're dismissed. Thank you. <laughs>